Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. You can invest in stocks. You've researched and drilled into analyses. You've developed your own method. You've decided what stocks to buy, how many, how long to hold. You are in control. Sure. Yeah, sure you are. Tom Guidi, investment advisor with Foster and Motley, is here with something of a primer and bits of information you may have overlooked. I'm Patrice Sikora. Tom, let's start with sectors. What are they? Uh, thanks, Patrice. Um, happy to talk to you today. So sectors are companies that are similar to each other. And the sectors are all defined by the, the big index providers, which are like Standard & Poor's is the, the company that forms the S&P 500. And they take those 500 stocks and they classify those companies in different industries. Mm -hmm. How many sectors do we have here? There's 11 stock market sectors. Uh, some people are you know, extremely familiar with technology or financials. There's others that you, know, you have to think for a few moments of what it actually means, uh, communication services or industrial companies. But companies get classified very neatly into one of those 11 sectors. Those are the, the companies that are most similar to each other. Okay. You mentioned a couple of different sectors. Let, can we go through a couple of them again? Some yeah, more? sure. I, I can go through the whole list. Sure. So we have materials, industrials, cyclicals, staples, energy, financials, healthcare, technology, communication services, utilities, and real estate. Tom, okay, so you've got the 11 sectors. Is there some place to go where you can actually visualize these sectors? Absolutely. I think the easiest way to visualize it is get on the computer, like we do, and Google map of the market. Hmm. Uh, there's a few different companies that, that provide this data visualization, nice way to say a chart. One of the top results will probably be a uh, website, FinViz, F-I-N-V-I-Z. And the map of the market is called, it's called a quilt chart, or it's a chart that shows all the different companies and they're split up among their different sectors and they get a bigger piece of the chart. If it's a bigger company like Google or Microsoft, they get big blocks and it shows how they've performed. This also shows why understanding what investments belong in which sectors can be important. Because on any given day, if you see the market's down 2%, it doesn't mean that necessarily every company is down mm -hmm. 2%. Companies are going to perform, you know, probably there's still some that are positive. They're going to show green on the map of the market, and there's going to be some that are red. And what you'll notice is that if there's one company in a sector, there's usually not just one company in a sector that's doing well, it's usually, oh, well, the whole sector is doing well. So you can see, oh, if Microsoft's doing good, it probably is a good day for Oracle or Apple or other technology companies. Uh, if it's a bad day for Home Depot, you're 
probably going to see it's a bad day for Lowe's too. The things that affect one company is going to affect every company that's pretty similar. So this um, supports the argument for diversification. And it's easier, easier to see it in this. And the, there's a lot of levels to diversification. So if you're just a mutual fund investor, diversification might mean, oh, I own stocks and bonds. If mm -hmm. you're within the stocks, you own U.S. stocks and international stocks, small company stocks. But if you're an individual stock investor, you have to pay attention to a very fine level of diversification, which is, okay, if I go out and I buy this basket of stocks, do all the stocks that I purchase end up looking pretty similar? Mm -hmm. uh, if, in fact, it, you bring that great tool up again in Google. If you Google, how many stocks should I own? And the collective wisdom of the internet's going to tell you, you know, 20 to 30. We usually buy a few more than that, but that is 20 to 30 stocks. If you're an individual investor, you're most likely going to end up picking companies that you're familiar with. And if you worked in technology, maybe you're going to end up with half in technology stocks. It's bigger exposure than the market and it's a more concentrated risk. There's going to be years where that's going to work out or it's going to be uh, years where it doesn't. Or if you work in another sector that maybe is a material, something that hasn't performed quite as well as technology, it, you're, you're really just uh, concentrating your investment in one sector reduces the diversification. So you need to be aware of if you're picking individual stocks, where do those stocks come from in the market? And am I getting exposure to all those sectors that I mentioned before? Are you getting exposure to financials and industrials as well as those sectors that you're most familiar with? What about a fund? Do they include all the... It really depends. There's a lot of active managers, people who manage mutual funds and actively select stocks as opposed to an index investor. And a lot of the value they try to derive can come from not so much individual stock selection, but sector selection. They might decide, oh, this is the great year for utilities and financial stocks because of the rate curve or whatever their thesis is, or maybe some points they're more overweighted in technology stocks. And it's not so much that they pick the very best technology stocks, it's that yeah, they're in technology and a rising tide lift all boats in that category. But what it does introduce, it introduces a layer of risk. You have less diversification than the market as a whole. And that added risk, it can pay off, but it's almost like throwing the dice. There, there's going to be years where it doesn't pay off. So there's just going to be more volatility with that type of strategy. Now, mentioned indexes. People talk about the great benefit of an index is lower cost. I think the best actually benefit of an index is the discipline process and having exposure to a broad range of sectors, built-in diversification. So if you're an active manager, you can adopt that level of discipline that the index has and be invested across all different sectors. What are the benefits of the sectors? I think that what are the benefits of using sectors in your investment process? I think it really gives you a good framework to compare stocks. Now, with this, uh, think about comparing Kroger to Microsoft. 
You really they're can't. almost you can't. They're just so different. The only similarity is they're both two U.S. companies that use the same accounting system, but Kroger doesn't really look anything like Microsoft. No. I can compare Kroger much more reasonably to Walmart or Costco, things that live within their own sector. And if uh, you're out there selecting individual stocks, it really gives you this framework to compare, okay, should I buy A or B, C, or D? And you can make those comparisons more easily. And then if you're investing in sectors and you have a target to each sector, it allows for rebalancing. So that diversification, it, it pays off when there's different performance between different categories of investments. It's easy to think about with stocks and bonds. Last year, 2021, was a good year for stocks. So if you are, have diversification between stocks and bonds at that point, and you knew ahead, say you wanted to invest 70% in stocks and 30% in bonds, by the end of the year, you had more than 70. You might even have had 80% in stocks. So it's time to trim stocks at that point. But the same thing happens between sectors. It could be a good year for energy and a bad year for other sectors. So at that point, you might trim energy and buy some of the other sectors and vice versa. So it allows that rebalancing within sectors if you're going to the uh, level of detail to selecting individual stocks. How do you know if you're well diversified or allocated? Yeah, it's really a hard thing because you have to look at, okay, what are all my sectors that I can invest in? What target should I have for all of those sectors? And am I filling up those targets? Do I have enough or too much of each of those? So I think the first step, if you're an individual stock investor, is, is take account of what you have and identify what sector these index providers, which is a, a good source of information, where would they classify these companies? Unfortunately, most custodians, the Charles Schwab's or the Fidelities of the world, their reporting doesn't break things down in the sectors. They actually just say you have stocks and it's up to you to determine what sector something belongs in. So you'd have to go to a website like a Wall Street Journal or maybe find it on that FinViz, that map of the market, and find what sector some, uh, each of your investments belongs to. Um, if you're an existing foster modeling, you can also, you can log into our portal or my holding site, and we do break things down by sector. So you can review all the different investments that you have in each sector. If you have questions, you know, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, we can talk through what are the holdings and how does that fit into your overall strategy? And how can they reach Foster and Motley? You can go to our website, www.fosterandmotley.com, or you can give us a call, 513-561-6640. That is great, Tom. A wonderful introduction to thinking beyond the headlines and all those online searches that a lot of individuals do. Mm -hmm. So follow this podcast, folks. Get more information that's very useful. Share with friends and colleagues, and they may actually return your call. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Foster & Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster & Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.